I was like, I know it's a little bit different, but I already have now a different education and I do bring a certain basic understanding, you know, of health, of psychology and, and communication from, from a different angle. But would it be okay, even though I, I, I majored in linguistics, can we combine that somehow? And um, they let me focus on the cancer communication and the psychology behind it of you know how you make sense of the world by using language and how you would express yourself differently psychologically when you have cancer and what, what I learned and nowadays helps me with the patients it's not a lot of people say you know client um, medical personnel co communication but it's not just about the communication itself of being approachable and understand the patient but really understand what, what they're saying by, by words. So for example, if you cognitively um, distinguish where actually language gets processed in the parts of the brain, the mapping of the different areas are actually connected with each other. So if the areas of the brain who make sense, let's say, of pain are closely connected um, with uh, disease, you combine disease with um, pain but if you are if the the pain center of language perception is more activated because of your previous habitual behavior with happiness and a positive attitude because you can overcome it you don't perceive a disease as maybe heavily or out of balance as you would as if your brain would be wired differently which is totally based on the social area and cultural surroundings you actually grow up with Hello and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I am delighted to say that I have Beatrice Schaefer joining me. She is a registered holistic health practitioner. She's a nutritionist and a mental health coach. She's also from Germany. She holds a degree in English linguistics and social science. She focuses on the field of cognitive linguistic cancer communication, which combines cognitive psychology, neuropsychology, and linguistics. Beatrice's story is also personal. She had breast cancer, and I hope you find her story as interesting and inspiring and informative as I did. Beatrice, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity uh, to share maybe some value that someone can take away and also share my story. I'm quite excited to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, you're, you're most welcome. I'm equally excited because we are here to talk about you, your story, how you became a holistic health practitioner, and just hear a little bit about your journey and who you work with and what your plans are going forward. Now, this is always a lot. I always say, are you okay with that? But it's a lot for us to, to squeeze into an hour, but yeah. somehow we get there. But if you're happy with that, what I would say is let's just kick off and you can start start wherever you want to begin. Well, so my, my name is Beatrice and um, I think my story starts when I go back in, in, in health, I would say 2013, when I was originally uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And... Um, I feel like every time I say that, it, it sounds so, you know, easily said, but um, my diagnosis, my diagnosis wasn't, you know, similar to anyone else when you, when you feel like, oh, I feel a lump, um, you know, could it be a tumor? Um, and you go in and, you know, you, you hear the doctor say, yes, it's cancer. Um, I think um, in retro perspective, I, I wish it would have been that easy in a, in a way. <laughs> Um, but at the end, I think if it would have been kind of that easy and easy said within cancer, I think is provocative. But in, in, in a way, and I think people who share maybe a story with cancer probably know um, and can relate to that. Um, but maybe I wouldn't be the person I am today and it wouldn't have, you know, brought me down the path um, I, I went down uh, as a result of that. So I remember very clearly it was the last semester when I just was about to finish university and I, I was back at home um, meeting my parents over the weekend and uh, it was a Friday and I was sitting there and I'm not a person who loves chairs so I'm always somewhere 
like grumped up as I'm right now when I when we have our conversation. Uh, I love to sit on the floor, be somewhere up with my knees um, on my arms or somewhere. And I was just feeling something in my breast right after I showered. And um, uh, back then I was just 25. And I was like, no, I'm too young. Like, no, that, that can't be. And then it took the whole weekend and, and thought that I was like mentally drained on Monday, actually. And um, my mom in panic. And then we went in and we got the first diagnosis from the first doctor was like, yeah, there is something we're not sure, you know, we need further testing, let's get a biopsy done. And um, they said, yeah, it's kind of a pre stage, but we're not sure yet, you know, let's check back in in, in three months. So I was like, okay, three months, like, you know, doesn't have to be cancer. Um, so I went back and they were like, Oh, okay, you know, it's it's growing, there's, um, you know, a second dot showing up let's see, let's get further testing done. And by that point, I already, you know, was all anxious and did the, the past three months, like all the research you can, you can do <laughs> online, getting all yeah. the crazy information that are out there. So you actually panic even more. Of um, course. Yeah, of course I did that. Went onto all the platforms where you have like all the, the theories of what can happen. And by then I was like even more exhausted, but I was like, okay, you know, let me get a second opinion. And um, basically that would summarize the whole year. I would say the first nine months basically summarized uh, five different specialists uh, throughout Germany from uh, breast cancer clinics, having five different opinions. And they were literally ranging from, no, there's nothing, we can't see anything up to, oh, no, 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 um, they're increasing in size and in number. And uh, we should do um, hormone therapy and double mastectomy. And that was literally the range I got within nine months. And within nine months, I originally started with one in my, in my left breast. And um, after nine months, I had 10, five, five in both breasts. Wow. Oh my and goodness. I was mentally drained. I, I was in a lot of pain, which the doctors couldn't explain why everyone, as I said, had a different opinion. And that's quite a summarized version. I'm aware of that. But to be honest, I can barely remember that time because the only thing I remember was being in pain, having to move back home, um, stop my studies, let all my professors know what more or less was kind of happening. I was 25. I had my own apartment. I, I had the things, you know, you do when you're 25, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're kind of healthy and you just live your life with friends. You have your social life. And, um, you know, from more or less one moment to another, um, that was just all gone. And also the freedom that comes with it. I remember that I moved everything in the car and I drove back the, about four hours of what I lived away from my hometown. And um, I was in so much pain that my dad actually had to drive towards me that the, the, the last hour that was left on the highway, I had to stop and, and parking spot and my mom had to come so that they could drive home the second car because I was in so much pain and everything like the lymph nodes were swollen and I just couldn't uh, drive anymore and um, I think the helplessness that comes with it psychologically has never really been explained to me and um, I think it's, it's quite interesting because now if I think about it maybe all the testing and all that itself like when you just think about western medicine style wasn't even that bad i remember one time though that they they, they did so much blood work which i didn't even know for what they, they didn't even explain themselves that i was so drained i literally looked like a junkie and at one point they said oh you know your arms don't look so good anymore i think we're going <sighs> to take that from your ear now and i was like okay hold on like that's that's mm -hmm. too much and after nine months having five different opinions literally not knowing what to do i know that i was in in munich over a weekend which i felt a little bit better and I had um, some friends there. So I decided to go there just to see something else and get out of my routine. But I was admitted to emergency because I was in so much pain and they didn't know what to do. And um, I remember that I came in and I don't know, it was like 1030 at night. And 
there was a young doctor on call and she told me that in my situation, if I ever thought about getting uh, psychological support and nutritional support. And up yes. to that point, never ever one like of the medical staff nurses, no one ever mentioned anything like that. And I was like, keep I, like, I kept asking and everything. And um, yeah, no one mentioned that. And, you know, me being very Western medicine oriented or growing up in, in an area, um, having a parent, you know, with a pharmaceutical background, it was very fascinating to me. And I, 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 I remember I thought like, what the hell? Like I have more problems than, than that. We're talking about psychology and nutrition to me right now. Another three months in, my situation didn't change. And I think up to that point, I was so desperate that I was ready to try anything. And there I actually went into nutrition and I went back to all the blocks, you know, where you have like all the conspiracy theories online. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't feel right. So I literally went into the, um, the evidence-based medical studies and the scientific-based studies literally self-taught myself. I needed a dictionary with me definitely because <laughs> I didn't have any idea of all the terms that you know they, they used, especially if you look statistically and epidemiology likewise into it, where you where you need a certain understanding of you know getting I, an idea how the study is conducted besides the words but if it's actually conducted the right way so that that the study that is done can actually have the result that it's saying that it has mm-hmm. and um, it took me a couple of weeks and months to actually get into that kind of wording and of course my my, my native language is German so I was also working you know on a second language base and that was quite interesting and after I would say three to four months my basic understanding and summary all of that was basically to live vegan and a vegetarian but definitely leave out meat don't consume added sugars be aware of um, product education of what or how much sugar actually the industry puts into products where you would never think sugar is actually included let's say natural you know they put that sugar in as kind of a preservative so it's incredible and and alcohol and um, I was super strict like from one day to another I basically made a plan and summarized everything I I learned over the past I would say in, in summary was six months and still you know being home and um, sleeping up to 18 hours a day I was falling into depression I could barely keep myself together and um, it's it's incredible you know with the knowledge I have today I wouldn't have gone through that but back then I, I didn't have the information I needed and no one actually pointed that out to me even though I have been in touch with so many different people within the healthcare system in, in general. And I think that's quite, quite interesting. Can so, I ask you a question? Because, I mean, that's, that's a lot to go through. And one, first of all, the, you know, the German healthcare system has quite a reputation, doesn't it, globally, of being very switched on and, and, and the accuracy and, and knowledge and ability to support and provide the healthcare is, I think, highly regarded. So to have five different diagnoses and I mean, that must have been extraordinarily, well, it, you, you've said how that was for you being uh, unsure of where to look and what to do and how to care for yourself. What was that like for you with your parents? Your parents, uh, your is it your father that's in the pharmaceutical industry or whichever one? How did they look upon that for you just saying, right, I've got to do something else. I've started doing some research and I'm finding some information about this. Were they not aware of it or were they just like, do whatever you can do to help yourself feel better? Um, so it's actually my mom with a pharmaceutical background. And mm-hmm. even though I think it's a quite interesting combination, because on one hand, there is a pharmaceutical background, but at the same time, we all grew up on the countryside. So there's mm-hmm. a big natural factor in there, where you start weighing in, in a way, I think, um, the first time I well, let's say the first diagnosis out of the five, they were worried and already over the weekend, because um, when I 
first recognized the, the first lump in my in my breast. It was over the weekend, and um, both of them were were very scared. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, you're 25, and you know that that can't be." And I think was actually quite ironic because my mom referred back to that, which I actually didn't even think of in in a while. She said, "Oh, do you remember uh, two years ago? There was like." when I was 20, 21, she said, you wanted to go in and get a checkup um, for, for cancer because there were a lot of people diagnosed in my area. And um, they recommended that a lot of young girls should go for a routine checkup. And I, I, I remember that um, back then I went in and the gynecologist literally threw me out of the of the clinic again. And she said, you're, you're like not even mid-20s or 30s. Um, you're taking the spot of someone who could who could actually have cancer, but you're way too young. And literally three years later, I that's where I felt um, the the lump. And that's quite interesting, you know. Even with gynecologists, I know that there are so many amazing gynecologists out there. So, you know, no, no offense, but I think there are also um, a lot of people who should, you know, keep going to continuing education and. <laughs> don't take age to it because the age rate of breast cancer or any kind of cancer is getting lower and lower. And, but yeah, going back to your question. um, So my parents were quite scared as well, but um, they were both very focused on, on the needs I had. And I mean, they came up and said, you know, let's get a second opinion. Let's see what we can do. Um, We're also searching for specialists in a way and, and, provided me with different addresses. And um, they also saw what kind of work I did starting all the research I started doing. And my mom, she was like, you know, let me go back to all the research I have with with my professional background. I I think in, in the end, it was that they had the feeling that I was quite capable of taking care of myself that I know what I needed to do next. And they kind of supported me during that time in the, the research phase or in the checkups phase at the beginning helped me support me to drive um, to all the clinical appointments but it was I think now looking at it it was for them also very draining because I mean sure. for them you know it's like their baby having cancer not having cancer but having five doctors having five different opinions I I cannot imagine that. I mean, that is, did you ever get any consensus over a period of time at all? Because that is gut-wrenching, really. Yeah. So um, the the only thing I got was that they're growing in size and number. And that's basically when I have been told that they also suggest, you know, to do a complete double mastectomy, that they can't do surgery separately anymore because one of them said it actually quite nicely. He said that, you know, we can get them out separately, which we also should do, but then it would actually look like Swiss cheese. And, um, you know, I actually had to laugh within that whole crazy situation, but that was nicely put on a quite human level because, you know, I, I feel like doctor patient conversation on a psychological level is a different conversation, but that was nicely put. And also I think gave me, um, idea of where I stand. And uh, two doctors actually within a row said, you know, we're reaching slowly that kind of level, you know, we we, we need to, to look into surgery and um, do hormone therapy. But for me, I, I was like, still, there were too many different opinions. And then after doing a deep dive into everything that's available, I would even say in, in a holistic sense, because it was not just nutrition, but it was also uh, physical fitness and, you know, psychology, mental health. And, um, you know, I went to a psychologist to get support to, to basically give me the tools on how to deal with that also to kind of get my anxiety and depression under control. And um, after that, I, I felt way better. The, the fatigue and everything was, was basically gone. And starting with the nutrition, I, I remember I started the nutrition of eating super, super clean. And when I say eat, you know, eating, eating clean, because I know it's um, quite trendy to say nowadays, you know, clean, mm-hmm. clean eating. Um, I mean, no alcohol, no added sugars, um, being very of, aware of 
glycemic index or, or carbs, which then metabolize in sugars, but that, that blood sugar levels are, are kept quite low. As I said, no alcohol and basically vegan vegetarian and a lot of, you know, plain water going more into the, the herbs, um, checking out the micronutrient levels, which was quite interesting because I had to check up about three months later and they, they told me, you look healthier. What, what do you do? And they checked me and they said, okay, you know, everything is stable right now. We want you to come back in, um, in, in another three months. And um, then basically another three months, which would be a total of six months later, they literally looked at me and uh, asked, you know, what did you do? And by that point, looking at their faces, I was so scared that it was, you know, getting worse. Yeah. And um, I, I was, why? Like, wh why? What's happening? And, and they said, there are just nine left. And the nine tumors that are left are smaller in size as well, not just shrunk in number, but also in, in size. And um, I was like, well, do you really want to tell me or should I just keep doing what I'm doing? And they were like, you know, you mentioned nutrition last time you were in, just keep, keep doing what you want to do if you don't want to have a double mastectomy. And I was like, Nope, still don't want to have that because these two ladies are going nowhere. Um, <laughs> just love them too much, not want to give those up. And as long as I can basically fight for them, uh, you, you won't get them. And, uh, you know, and I would say in that sense, if some, someone asked me today, I would say nutrition and uh, psychological support definitely uh, saved my life. It, it was my journey. So I'm not saying that my journey is the right thing to do for, for everyone. I think everyone has even if they have breast cancer, you know, it's, it's different for everyone. I think everyone is, is individual and it's beautiful that we're all like that. And everyone has to decide about their own journey for me it was the right way. If I, someone asked me like, would you do it again? I was like, I don't know if it's exactly the same. Yes. If we have a different situation, maybe not, I, I don't know, but it just felt right in that kind of situation. And um, it brought me to, you know, nutrition, nutritional therapy. That was the, the first certification after that I, I did because I couldn't go back to university. I tried to, but I was just still too exhausted. I was still too tired. My, I would say my brain was just not functioning the way I, I wanted to mm -hmm. because I still, I mean, I didn't get chemo and all that, but I still was taking so many different medical products and like painkillers and, and all that. So I, I still was a, I would say, a walking pharmacy in, in, in a way. And uh, the more I learned and after my uh, nutritional uh, studies, I literally was like, okay, step by step. It's like, I can get rid of that by doing this, by increasing that kind of micronutrient, I can get rid of that kind of product. And um, that's how it went basically down. So I started with nutrition. And after that, I, I saw, you know, how much psychology can do mm -hmm. um, stress management, relaxation techniques, and, and all that, you know, I mean, there's so much knowledge out there. And I feel like the more you learn, the more you know what you don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I feel it never stops. And it's just interesting. So if I could ask, you didn't have chemo and you didn't have radiotherapy or any of that, but they did give you medication to support your pain. Was it all about pain management? It was pain management and hormonal management. I was asking because I was taking the, the birth control pill. They tried to get me off, but I, I was in so much more pain and um, literally frequently started to faint um, that they put me back on, which at that point I, I, I fully supported. I was, you know, happy as much I could feel better or whatever. I was like, okay, let's just live with that. And um, within the whole process, I would say that was 2013. Um, yeah, 17, 18. That's where, where I talked uh, to my, my doctors and I have an amazing gynecologist now. She's very um, naturally focused. And um, she was like, you know, if you have PMS, do yoga. So that's basically <laughs> Her, her approach. I just love her for that. And, you know, if anything else happens, we, we can talk about stronger stuff, but, you know, let's start with the, the, the root cause and the needs of what the body needs and not just deal with the symptoms. And um, I think, you know, that that's basically what I carried out for, for me um, as well nowadays to just stick with that. Amazing. Of course, that's amazing. So 
wow, my my mind is going in all kinds of different directions. First of all, what were you studying when you first noticed the lump? What were you studying at that time? Something completely else. Uh, you won't believe it. <laughs> I was um, actually studying, I was majoring in English linguistics and semantics and cognitive linguistics in sociology and politics. Right. So something completely different. But uh, what was quite interesting is I was literally almost done with my study. So I was just about to graduate with my bachelor thesis. I literally just started to write the thesis when the whole cancer journey basically hit. And um, I haven't finished that until 2018, 2019. And um, I mean, by that, I was with my education on a whole different level. And I would say also as a person of who I am. But I started in, in Bavaria originally, and then within all that time, I, I ended up moving to Berlin. And um, I literally knocked on the door of the university there and, and asked, look, this is the situation. Those are my grades, and that's the curriculum. I literally just need to finish my bachelor thesis. Can you collaborate with my former professor? And they agreed to do that. Wow. So. I was like, I know it's a little bit different, but I already have now a different education and I do bring a certain basic understanding, you know, of health, of psychology and, and communication from, from a different angle. Mm -hmm. But would it be okay, even though I, I, I majored in linguistics, can we combine that somehow? And um, they let me focus on the cancer communication and the psychology behind it of you know, how you make sense of the world by using language and how you would express yourself differently psychologically when you have cancer. And what, what I learned and nowadays helps me with the patients, it's not a lot of people say, you know, client, um, medical personnel co communication, but it's not just about the communication itself of being approachable and understand the patient, but really understand what, what they're saying by, by words. So for example, if you co cognitively um, distinguish where actually language gets processed in the parts of the brain, the mapping of the different areas are actually connected with each other. So if the areas of the brain who make sense, let's say, of pain are closely connected um, with uh, disease, you combine disease with um, pain. But if you are, if the, the pain center of language perception is more activated because of your previous habitual behavior with happiness and a positive attitude because you can overcome it, you don't perceive a disease as maybe heavily or out of balance as you would as if your brain would be wired differently, which is totally based on the social area and cultural surroundings you actually grow up with. So there are a lot of areas actually coming together. So what they did basically, just to quickly summarize it, is they did a study in, and, and what I also did in my bachelor thesis was basically examine um, different cancer patients using um, different kind of language and then basically psychologically analyze their attitude towards their disease, if it's positive or, or negative. And um, for example, if someone talks about a cancer journey compared to um, a cancer fight or a battle, let's use fight and battle. So battle psychologically would be indicated as positive and proactive, whereas the battle would be passive. So if you have a cancer patient talking about um, being actively, you know, I'm fighting for it, that person would actually psychologically be more stable than someone saying battle because they already kind of gave up, even though it's not a giving up in that sense, but they would just have a slightly more negative perception of the disease itself. And nowadays we know that medical personnel with, you know, the placebo mm -hmm. and also something called nocebo, which is the opposite of the placebo, um, has a big effect on how we talk to patients, but how do patients talk to themselves and about themselves? So it's the same. So we can program them as, as well when we ha hear that kind of trigger. So it's very, very interesting, just a whole different area where usually no one really talks about, <laughs> but you can have so much more. But yeah, so I actually went back and was allowed to graduate in that very specific field, which for the professors was also quite interesting because I was like, yeah, a topic like that, we did not have, have that one before. And um, 
maybe they even learned something out of that topic um, as well. But for me, it was I appreciated a lot the support. So if they're they're listening, um, thank you so much for the opportunity wow. to those two professors. Um, I would definitely wouldn't been able to graduate with without and then the opportunity they give me, especially to to actually write my thesis to in a field that was so close to my heart before, and then on a topic that you know shaped me as a person since my um, disease and everything. So yeah, that was quite interesting and an incredible journey. I absolutely. I mean, it is fascinating hearing how you've taken that disease and turned it into something that is quite magnificent that you can help your clients with. So what did you what did you end up getting your degree in? Because I know you've gone on, you've got more of a journey to add to this, which and you're you're young and I can say you're young because I'm 57 and you are young. You are a young dynamic woman and look amazing. So I mean you're beautiful inside and out, but to have been through what you've been through but what did you get your degree in at that point in time? At that point in time, um, well, thank you so much for, <laughs> for all yeah, the- You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, that's, very, that's very sweet. Um, it's hard for you to take that, but you need to receive it because it's so true and I'm so inspired by you. But anyway, go on. <laughs> very much appreciated. Thank you so much. You make me, you make me flush. I ended up getting a Bachelor of Arts in English Linguistics and Social Science. Okay. So it, you read that, and I'm sure if people read that, they would have no clue the, the depth of knowledge that you have about linguistics. And it's fantastic that you were studying it before. So I can see as our conversation that we had before, the different languages that you can speak how important it is communication and and connecting with people is to you but if we continue the story you didn't really stop there and you haven't stopped there have you with regards to your education because you've studied nutrition now haven't you as well as other things is that right no absolutely I actually finished my nutritional degree before I actually went back to university okay Um, so I had that because that was just more important for me to get because I think also the feeling of going back to reconnect with something before my uh, disease was basically tapping into the past. And um, that needed a little time to, to reconnect um, to, to that. And um, I was like, okay, you know, let me set myself up psychologically in a way and also with the foundation, which ended up to be the nutritional degree and then let's just go from there step by step and um after that um i did i I went back to university um while i was working did finished my bachelor i also went to uh the charité in in berlin for public health and um, epidemiology that was for about um a year which was quite interesting to get more of a, um, a scientific background of being able to understand studies more in depth of what I besides did and, and, and self-studying, but I just wanted to have the right frame from um, absolutely professional people to be able to ask questions and, and really get that deep understanding. I had that and um, I did after that, um, I saw with also the patients I started working with that Besides my own journey and the psychological, I would say, understanding I already had, I wanted to get a deeper understanding of how I can help them. So I also went into a one-year psychology program where we did crisis management, crisis psychology, consulting and coaching. And I think the coaching also gave me more of an understanding to ask more, which I use as a tool nowadays um, quite often to actually work with a patient or or a client. And then I got more, just to go down uh, quickly um, what, what I did, I also uh, was interested into connecting body and mind. So on the one hand, we had, you know, psychology where you can interact with psychology, which also, of course, happens physically. But you have so many people out there who need the physical approach to get to the the mental well-being. And for that, um, I went into relaxation management, stress management, tools like autogenic training, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, 
meditation, quite, quite interesting. I, I basically, what, what I did is based on the needs, on just listening, what um, the client I work with needs, I kind of were brushing up um, as a follow-up, getting more qualifications just to be able to help in a, in a deeper understanding. And um, also getting understanding of, you know, what I can do, what I want to do, what I want to learn, and what is out of my scope. So I can also, you know, refer or signpost to, to other people and get a better understanding of what other professions in depth do and, and don't do. So I understand where the lines are and just, yeah, a better understanding because health is such a wide field. And I feel nowadays, if you say health, it's, it's equal to GP or just medical intervention, but there's so much more out there in, in, in terms of integrated understanding of what a body needs in, in order to be, to be healthy. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. And you came over to the, cause you live in, you're in Germany right now, aren't you? Yeah. Um, um, because of COVID and all that stuff, but you were, <laughs> you were living, <laughs> boo, boo, boo. You were living in, in London, right? Before you had to go back home. Yeah. And so did you, you studied over here in the UK? Is that right? You studied at Cambridge? I did um, uh, applied human nutrition um, in, in, in Cambridge with an amazing team just to get deeper into the nutritional part because you have an amazing international team there and a yeah. student and many people from different uh, professions where you can connect with. And that was incredible. I also came across you know, nutritional genetics and epigenetics, and um, which is the topic I'm quite interested in and, and you know, getting to know more. But um, yeah, that was quite uh, fantastic, that program at the University of Cambridge, which actually originally was organized from the um, International Academy of Nutrition Educators. So they have a collaboration. So yeah, if someone wants to do that, they do that um, every year. I can really, you know, just recommend that program because it's not just about, you know, what you learn. It's also about the connection you have with, with people you stay in touch professionally. And at, at the end, everyone is either working in their clinic or doing a lot of work nowadays with COVID online. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a nice way to stay connected to other professionals and just, you know, exchange um, ideas and um how to help and, and just have a network in a way. Yeah. And that's where you met Dr. Minha Rajput Ray, I, right? Exa yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Which, yes. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing human beings. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But the major part of my studies um, were actually in, in Germany and, and that part was in, in, in the UK. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because this is what I think is equally fascinating and interesting you and I talked about this the last time when we were just catching up and, and having a conversation about what we would discuss, because yeah. you're very particular in the work that you're, you're doing with people and who you collaborate with, aren't you? Which I, I really think is wonderful for your clients. I mean, yeah. also for you from a building your business, but can we talk a little bit about that? Are you happy with that? Absolutely. So well, on the one hand, um, I'm a holistic health practitioner, but I do focus in cancer. Um, I do have a collaborating GP in, in Berlin where we do, I would say, the general chronicle diseases with uh, modern society. But within my own clinic, I focus on, on cancer. Based on my own story, I feel that's the value I can give to people because I can combine my own um, story and the experiences I had with the professional knowledge um, I do have now. And um, what I also hear are the patients saying, you know, you have been through that and you understand. And uh, for me, that, that's really warm-hearting and, and giving me just the idea that I'm, you know, on, on the right path, basically. But what we previously also talked about, and to come back to your question, I do collaborate with a lot of different healthcare professionals, what I said, which I experienced in recognizing of, you know, what I want to do, where I want to continue my own education and where I decide, you know, let's say, for example, physical therapy or psycho-oncology, which is just beyond my scope. And I, I also decided not to go further down there because it's either a different kind of you know, education or expertise or just something that, that I don't want to focus on. So 
I also think with nowadays having so much information and webinars and everything available and certificates you can do, I think it's also quite a challenge to to decide, you know, to stay in within one frame and um, what you want to do and decide what is out of your scope. Um, so with everyone I collaborate, no matter if it's psycho-oncology, because I do regular mental support, but if it's a very specific you know, challenge and, and problem, I do like to signpost uh, to specialists, um, especially within in cancer. Um, I think it should be a psycho-oncologist who do have a different understanding of where that person um, actually right now is. And um, mm -hmm. for me, it's very important that everyone I collaborate with um, also within the law department, you know, patients' rights and what you have to do to get your affairs in order. If, if, if it's clear that cancer, for example, can be cured, what, what does that mean? So everyone I work with, if it's a psycho-oncologist, a physiotherapist, a lawyer, all of them um, should have experienced cancer because they know what it means. And um, I believe and working with them also shows me that they take care of their clients differently than someone who does not have that experience. It, it sounds weird in, in, in the beginning because it's like it excludes so many people, but it's just very different. And that's also the feedback I, I get from my patients when I, when I forward them and um, do some signposting of what they can do, even if it's you know, a mental health seminar or a yoga, which they could join in weekly nowadays online. <laughs> but if, if that person had a cancer experience, no matter what kind of cancer it was, it's a different kind of person. It's a different kind of attitude and understanding for that person who comes in, who feels helpless, whose life has just been turned upside down, no matter if it's a single person, if it's a mom, a dad, or a child. I always say if one person out of the construct of a family has cancer, everyone yeah. is um, affected by it. And basically the whole family has cancer in, in, in a sense. So and if I can recommend, let's say, a lawyer to get their affairs in order, and that lawyer already has an experience um, with cancer, it's, it's different because he or she knows what they need and what they maybe should also take under consideration compared to, let's say, something else, because they lived through it um, within their own field of expertise and therefore are so much more equipped to basically give them the support they actually need. Oh, it's good. I, I think it's a great angle to take. And you're right, people who have not really had that experience that direct experience of someone having cancer in their life it is and it's more and more rare these days let's face it so many people are unfortunately touched by that um yeah. i wish they weren't but so so many people have had that experience which is, is sad but i think the fact that you've taken that on board it does make it very specific to what you're trying to do and your clients understand you know, they yeah. get that you're really making it about them and their experience. So how are you, how are things progressing forward for you? What are you doing with regards to you're working with all these different people? Can we talk a little bit about what you're wanting to do with your own practice as you move forward and you see it grow? Yes, I originally started out just to work basically self-employed. And then um, I recognized that it would be great to have that kind of tool to work with a GP because I can also interact differently because I mean, you also have the financial challenge um, in, in, in Germany. If, if I'm completely self-employed, people would have to just pay out of their own pocket right. working with the, with the GP where you're qualified under the healthcare system, you know, um, at least private healthcare, you know, does most or at least pay 80% of it, which is already fantastic. And then, because before that, um, I also lived in the States and I just moved to, to the UK. I, I love the English language. Uh, most of my <laughs> education was um, in Germany, but actually in, in English, because let's face it, I mean, all international studies, uh, statistics and, and everything is, is in English. So it was for me very natural to pick up everything um, just in English. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm right now kind of establishing myself in, in the UK, but I'm also reaching out to the US. And um, it's not just about the collaborations, but also so much I learned because I also get introduced to the different systems within each country. I see what qualifications are out there, um, what each country maybe does already like really well and what is actually missing um, and working kind of in between three countries gives me also a lot of understanding what you know I can take from the US and implement in Germany and what the Germans do very nicely I can implement in the in the US um, because every healthcare system is is, is quite different but also yeah the culture that comes in and on how the habitual behavior of healthcare professionals is and how that's different. And also, you know, share just knowledge um, from people all over the place who have experience with different culture, who, who may be from a different culture and how they do it. Um, India, China, there's um, so much more knowledge and different approaches to all that which um, I think are incredibly valuable to, to invite someone over, have, have coffee and just chat about yeah. that and then see what kind of opportunities we have if we put the knowledge we have uh, together in, into one part and what you can do out of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So have you, through the clients that you're seeing, have you had any other that are similar to you in that, that they've had five separate diagnoses? and how you support them. Is that more common or is that rare? I would say uh, with my experience now, um, I would say it's rather rare. I do have the the cancer patients I see are actually mostly uh, breast cancer patients. Um, I think the maximum I had were three different opinions, but I think five I have not come across, to be honest, which I'm also thankful for because I never wish uh, upon anyone the experience I had, which I literally, I mean, that is kind of what motivated me to get into this field to be able to, to help people with the knowledge I didn't have to support them. And um, I mean, nowadays, if you ask me, I, I do have expert knowledge, which I can support them with. But what I do throughout the week, and I'm also when I'm on call, it's it's sometimes often just the reassuring part, which is more the psychological or emotional, it's not even like the emotional support, um, just saying, look, this is what the doctor said. I don't know, that was a young doctor just came in, looked at my chart, didn't seem super qualified or interested. It contradicts somehow what we did last week. Can you please have, have a look at it and, and see or explain it to me? They didn't have time to do that. Um, do you think that's normal or, you know, what should I do? Should I ask them any questions? Um, can you talk to them or just give me an understanding? And sometimes it's just half an hour on the phone explaining to them, make, helping them making sense of what's going on, which usually the doctors or the nurses don't have the time to do and just put their mind to ease and, and just, you know, giving them understanding on the step-by-step process. Do you find that the, the doctors, do you talk with many of the doctors and nurses? Are they, and are they receptive and open to having conversations with you? Um, I talked sometimes I talk to them, um, especially when I have uh, clients with a language barrier. Right now, I do have a client and her native language is not German. So she struggles a lot. And when she tries to get appointment or try to get in with the doctor, especially with, you know, the micronutrient combination while you receive chemotherapy, which is, you know, quite a hot topic. I love to collaborate because I think they have a different angle, you know, of expertise. I do have a different angle. And imagine if you put two expertises together. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can have so much value. Some doctors are very open-minded and say, oh, great. I haven't heard of that, of that kind of support. Um, yeah, let me hop on a call with her and let's just chat. But the client I have right now, um, it's, it's more or less language barrier. And um, I literally had to talk to the nurse just to get her an appointment with the oncologist, which seemed so busy that um, I think it's a she, uh, that she could not even get down to, to sit together with my client. And um, the nurse basically um, insisted, oh, you know, your German is not good enough. I can't understand what you want. 
come back to your next appointment. And I was like, you know, it's, it's your right. You have questions, you have physical pain, you, you need, you know, prescriptions for physiotherapy, because the healthcare system in Germany pays for that. But you cannot just go to a physiotherapy, make an appointment, because that means you would have to pay out of your pocket, go get a prescription for that. And um, it took her two months now to just get an appointment. And um, that's just an exceptional case. That's not, not one of the good examples. Um, yeah. there, there are amazing doctors out there who are very open-minded, who support that. I love to work together with you know, the, the attending uh, medical staff, whoever that is, if it's, if it's a nurse who does uh, most of the part or if it's a doctor, depending on how big the clinic is. But it, it's very diverse, depending on also if you're in the city, if you're on the countryside, um, what kind of medical um, staff you you have, if it's a very specialized clinic or if it's just a general clinic, it, it differentiates. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. It does always. It just shows that it's a global thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so you're collaborating with all kinds of people. You're seeing clients. You seem to be just going like gangbusters. And as they often say in the States, how do you take care of yourself? What do you do to take care of yourself, Beatrice? Um, that's a good question. I'm actually very strict with my health. <laughs> and for me, just to be aware of how much I do for my health was actually quite interesting when I started, you know, just uh, to get my own clinic and uh, kind of get an idea how exhausting that can get with all the bureaucratics. And I, I think sometimes it's so amazing you know, how much we healthcare professionals preach and how much we actually don't do yeah. out of all those things we actually know how to do. Um, yeah. So doctors are like on their 24 hour shift, I'm usually just shaking my head or it's like, you know, yeah. we all learn that exact, that's exactly what we should not do. So, but to come back to your question, I, I think for and foremost, it's uh, nutrition still. I do have here and there cheat weekends, but um, I I'm vegan, vegetarian, still not drinking alcohol. I'm very conscious about my sugar intake. So no sugar, but sugar intake in, in terms of, you know, natural fructose with vegetable mm -hmm. fruits, which is still some sort of sugar, just differently meta metabolized. Um, basically cl clean eating in, in, in that kind of sense. And if I switch that up, you know, especially uh, for Christmas now, I'm um, coming, mm -hmm. coming home and having the traditional Christmas cookies, I do enjoy them, but my stomach after three days is just so messed up that I'm just so happy just to go back to my normal routine. Physically, I would say um, it's a workout. I do three to four times a week, uh, trying to you know move around, go for a walk and a stroll in between my, my patient calls, getting some fresh air. I do have a morning routine. So originally when I did when I got certified, you know, for progressive muscle relaxation and meditation and all that, I was so excited to get all that done. But after a time, you know, habitual behavior sets in, you're like, okay, <laughs> I can do that later. And yeah. I figured that if I start doing the stretches and the yoga already in bed with my PJs on, where I don't even have to get up, I can't, I can't cheat on myself. So <laughs> I literally do the stretches before I even get up. So I basically yoga myself out of bed, uh, oh, do fab. the stretches outside the bed and then get a cup of coffee. I do intermittent fasting. So I'm quite aware of the, um, the cellular level of how to, to be healthy on, on, on that kind. So I think it's a combination, but having a good routine the stretching, the yoga, uh, the mm -hmm. clean nutrition, uh, the walking around, and the sleeping. Uh, yeah. sleep. So I'm definitely checking the boxes of eight to nine hours. I'm very consequent. My body literally just doesn't work without <laughs> the sufficient amount of um, sleep. I'm just half of the person I, I would be with not having enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say my bed is definitely my best friend. <laughs> working with some um, essential oils I, I use in the evening to calm myself down eucalyptus I do uh, breathing exercises and uh, tapping and uh, reading a book you know keeping the cell phone and the laptop out of the bedroom 
yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty much what, how I take care of myself. All those things amazing and, and really looking so well on it. And how are you, if I might ask, I'm conscious of the sun in your eyes. Beautiful. I don't want to even complain. It's I know, I know. So pretty. <laughs> I know, it's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? But how, how are you health-wise? Is that, uh, are you doing well? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm literally incredible. I think after yeah. all those years in, in um, March, April, um, it's going to be eight years already. Uh, wow. How time flies. And yeah. if you ask me that question, I think I've never been healthier. Um, everything mm -hmm. I learned, I put into action to take care of myself. I definitely never had such good numbers on blood work and uh, felt more energetic and, and everything. And I, I do exactly know how to take care of myself, what I need, when I can compromise on certain topics when I can't. And um, just having that kind of awareness helps me, you know, every day so much to, to be able to take care of myself. And I'm really well, I'm healthier than I have ever been before my diagnosis. Oh, that's wonderful. And selfishly for us as well to have you in our world and have you in my world, it's um, selfishly, I'm thrilled, but I'm just even more happy for you and for your family because I and for your clients, because I know you'll be able to bring so much goodness and such help to them through your own practice and, and knowledge. So I think that is absolutely exciting. Is there anything we haven't talked about right now that you would like to talk about? And we've been talking for over an hour. Can yeah, you believe it? Um, yeah, it went, it, it flew by. So I, quick. Um, I think we touched upon so many topics. And I, I, I think, you know, if, if someone has a specific question, I'm sure yeah. you can put my contact details down yes. in the information box of the podcast. You know, I would just say, you know, feel free to reach out. You know, thank you so much for all the compliments you did. But I think with my diagnosis, or without my diagnosis, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And, um, you know, we wouldn't be here today. And I wouldn't have met you. And uh, we wouldn't have this amazing conversation and be able to to connect in a way. And um, throughout this journey, I, I met so many in, incredible people, which I'm so thankful for to connect over so many different topics. So, you know, I love to connect, to reach out, to build a new network so um if anyone should have any questions please just send me an email and reach out okay no i agree with you i from the standpoint of being able to connect and having health conditions that makes these add these twists and turns into our lives and I'm the same way. I've had various things happen. As you know, we've talked about that yeah. with my own health issues, but those are things that lead us down pathways that we never know what's going to come from them. And, and meeting people like you, those are the gifts that um, come forth from that silver linings for sure. So, well, I guess if that's all for now, I will say thank you so much again. It's really been a delight and a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing where we go from here. Who knows? Who knows? I'm so curious to see that too. Thank you so, so much, like from all my heart for having me. I hope I could add some value to some of your listeners. If it's just one person, I'm already happy, but I hope, yeah, they can just get some value out of it. And as I said, if anyone should have any questions, just please reach out and, you know, thank you so much again for having me, Deb. You're welcome. My pleasure. Well, folks, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed sitting in and listening in to Beatrice share her story with us. I found her inspiring and engaging and hope that you did as well. I'll be sure and provide her details in the show notes so you can get in touch with her if you would like to do so. You can also find her on various social media platforms, which will also be included. Now then, there are a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about and remind you of, and one of them is... Thank you. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining me on my shows. And thank you to those of you who have subscribed. And if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe and or share this with people that you think might find my podcasts of value, because that's why they're here. They're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. And I am excited to say that I have got a great rota of people joining me over the next few months. So be sure and watch this space. 
I'd also like to remind you of the wonderful companies that I am now so proud and pleased to be an affiliate of. One of them is, of course, that Bellican because you have to bounce soft to feel good. And I can wholeheartedly say that that Bellican has really helped me maintain my physical fitness levels as well as my mental health during such challenging times. So if you'd like to find out more details for your clients or for yourself, I'll be sure and provide links for that in the show notes, as well as Motion Nutrition, who I am also so very pleased to say that I have recently become affiliated with, and they have exceptionally good products. So be sure and check those out. If you don't know about them already, there'll be a link in the notes as well, or you can send me a private message for either of these wonderful organizations that I am so pleased and proud to be associated with. I'd like to thank you again for joining me on my podcasts. I'd like to also remind you that you are not alone. We are all here for one another. We are here to help one another. You are doing an amazing job. And I'd like to thank you again. And until next time, I'd like to wish you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.